definition of that kind. Get us Hillary Clinton emails. I'd be very pleased to know what they think they're doing. I think they're all insane. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Hidden Perspective. This is Rob Greco. It's good to be back, joined by Jules. Jules, how are you going? Very well, mate. Very well. I've, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. I've been sleeping better. It's been good. What was wrong with your sleep before? <laughs> I was, uh, I was, but I've, um, I've, uh, as well as not doing that anymore, I'm also trying to uh, get up, get some sunlight in my eyes early in the morning. And that seems mm-hmm. to be making a massive difference. So I've been going through these morning walks. And um, if you get sunlight in your eyes in the first two hours after sunrise, sort of sets off all these important circadian rhythms. Mm. So it's like waking up because the sun's risen, right? Before we lived in houses and were as inoculated from the sun as we are now. But um, anyway, I seem to wake up better. But I think the key thing is by, by the evening, I'm very tired. So it's good. Try not mm-hmm. to look at bright lights in the evening and yeah, sleeping well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I remember I remember us chatting about this. I had my first bouts of insomnia a few weeks ago, the first time in my life I've ever had terrible sleep. Um, it's horrifying going to bed and just never, never falling asleep. But yeah, I think I think the walks the walks definitely did help, walking at sunset and sunrise. Um, but also just like making sure that you kind of tie yourself out. You know, always mm. doing exercise, uh, typical rhythm. Well, for today's episode, we we uh, Jules and I stumbled on an article which um, which was worthy of discussion. So, Jules, do you want to uh, quickly describe describe the the article that uh, that caught your attention? So the headline is: Indigenous academic apologizes for calling African crime study racist. So. Uh, the research was done into South Sudanese crime in Victoria uh, by the author of the report was Dr. Stephen Shepherd, who uh, himself is African-Australian. Uh, he was born in Mauritius and um, he co-authored a paper. He's an associate professor at Swinburne and the paper was called Estimating the Extent and Nature of Offending by Sudanese-Born Individuals in Victoria. Uh, anyway, he was called racist by this Twitter account and this other academic. Her name was called uh, Dr. Amanda Porter. Now, Dr. Amanda Porter is an in, in, uh, Indigenous Australian and an academic, and her Twitter feed, before she deleted it, <laughs> um, was uh, focused on calling out certain kinds of research and explaining how they were um, sort of racist. Now, she went to town on this. On her Twitter thread. Unfortunately, we can't go back and read your arguments as she deleted them all, including her whole account. So clearly this article and uh, the amount of press that was generated um, probably resulted in a bunch of uh, backlash towards her. I'm assuming part of it was inappropriate because after I Googled it, I saw that the Herald Sun and all these other people jumped on this. So... My guess is she was uh, probably experienced a bunch of unfortunate criticisms, but we're not going to say anything mean about her. But we are going to, uh, uh, you know, talk about the broader implications of of this article, research done that 
um, focuses on particular ethnic groups and just generally, you know, what's uh, what's important here. Yeah. So let's so let's go to Dr. Shepard and his actual research. So what did he actually look at? So he looked at actually um, go even one step back. So. Uh-huh. What's the broader context in which this article sits and in which the research sits? So, um, in Victoria, maybe over the last 10 years, would you say? Maybe five years, there's been this... Um, no, I think 10 years. Yeah. So, this this idea circulating that certain, certain immigrant groups um, from Sudan have, have been disproportionately representing the crime stat, so they've been uh, committing more crime than their population, uh, than their percentage within the population would suggest. Um, so that's obviously sparked a concern over racism, whether people were genuinely, um, uh, you know, just perceiving them to have committed more crime because of their own racism or whether this was actually happen happening mm-hmm. or uh, another question whether the only reason why they were committing more crime is because they were being over-policed uh, and there was some racial profiling going on. Um, so then this researcher comes in, Dr. Shepard, and what did he look at? So um, he tried to examine whether or not, um, A, whether there's any evidence to show that they are overrepresented, and I guess B, uh, the extent to which um, racism was playing a role in those statistics. And you know, neither of us are criminologists, Rob, so I'm not in a position to uh, speak to the rigour of the research. Uh, what I do know is that it was published in an important accredited journal, and obviously, you know, Swinburne University is a, is a, is a real university. But um, basically what he showed was that um, which other crime statistics I've seen speak to this issue have shown, which is that um, Sudanese uh, youth and in particular males, they aren't overrepresented in like drug crime or um, mm. possession crimes or um, public disturbance crimes, um, public alcoholism crimes. So the idea, the, the the reason you check for those crimes is because, or traffic crimes, because they're considered to an extent discretionary um, police crimes. So that's to say that, like, you know, if a cop is racist, he's going to be constantly pulling over black people for traffic crimes. Or if right. a cop is racist, he'll be booking people for being drunk in public when, you know, if you walk down, uh, you know, Brunswick Street in Fitzroy at 2 a.m., you know, you'll find, yeah. you know, a, every second, you know, white person wasted. So they don't get pulled over for those crimes. What they are sort of uh, remarkably overrepresented in, like incredibly overrepresented in, is uh, violent burglaries, violent robberies, um, crimes against the person is a way to define these crimes. So right, assaults, right. violent violent assaults. And because because of this, they're massively overrepresented in prison populations right. because if you beat someone up and burgle and rob them, you generally get sentenced to prison. So he his argument was that there is problems in, in the community um, and – that uh, that there isn't enough, there isn't really evidence to show that this overrepresentation in crime has much to do with at least the police being racist. 
Right. At least because that category of crimes, crimes against the person, have less discretionary capability involved on the part of the police officers. So you can't really discriminate in the way you police for a burglary because that either happened or it didn't, um, as opposed right. to as opposed to screening people on the street and then pulling them over because you suspect that something's gone wrong. Right. Like, yeah, correct. It's not like, um, you know, they were found to be carrying more knives than the average citizen or, you know, Mm -hmm. their stats that are thrown around, I know, in England and stuff. Yeah. Um, This is actually, yeah, you know, uh, crimes against people, them calling the police and asking for help. So, you know, and I guess you'd say that that mirrors – the media experience of these crimes anyway, which is to say, you know, I mean, I don't consume a ton of mainstream media, but you do, you know, every now and again and see uh, a filmed home invasion, um, particularly mm. in the western, outer western suburbs mm. where you'll see, um, yeah, uh, you know, criminals smash down uh, doors in someone's home, carrying baseball bats, and then generally what happens is they steal a bunch of shit they steal the car out of the residence. Yeah. They run away. They eventually car torch jackings. the car. Yeah. Carjackings, yeah. They torch the car and then, yeah, that, and especially when there's footage of it, it ends up uh, straight in the middle of, uh, of, of some viral media because, um, you know, we all love living vicariously through the <laughs> pain and suffering of others, don't we, Rob? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I'll say there is I find it when people claim that, the media is racist for showing some home invasion done by African youths. I find that totally unpersuasive because the media would show any filmed home invasion. And I do mm-hmm. think you can actually see here um, in the statistics that this, that the second most um, uh, represented ethnic group in home invasions is by a mile um, South Sudanese people. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they make up less than like 1% of the population. So, you know, I feel like if Channel 7 is um, going or Channel 10 or whatever, these media outlets, they have built into them this perverse desire to show disgusting things, people happen, you know, mm. happening. And I think they're just as likely to show a home invasion committed by non-Africans or white people as they are black people. Like, mm. you know, mm. I, I feel like, but, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what I think on that. I mean, I can see I can see someone arguing the opposite end of the spectrum and saying a video footage of a Sudanese home invasion is much likely to generate traction and virality on the internet because there's a certain subsection of the population who gets animated by that, the, I guess, racist subpopulation of Australia, and they're going to share that more often. It's going to be viral and it's going to be used as a justification for their views that these maybe certain groups shouldn't be let into Australia. So I can, I can almost see an incentive on the part of media companies to show something that is racialized, but I don't have any evidence that that does happen and that they get overshared, right? So in uh, comparison yeah. to their so, uh, to their crime rate, oh, I, no, I, I would know. agree with I would agree with that. So a hundred percent, and also the idea, you know, also the other issue is if it's committed by people of ethnic neutrality, if we can call if that's a thing, um, 
you know, it's, 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 you know, their ethnicity isn't defined, right? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, they'll say how, what the identifying features of those people are if they've got, you know, if they weren't wearing, uh, balaclavas or whatever, but, mm. um, yeah, it is, I'm sure it goes more viral when it's by a, a racial minority because yeah, as you've said, um, all the races get to jump up and down, but you know, the amount of times I've seen a tram bashing or, um, some sort of mugging or any kind of awful crime, mm. you know, I mean, this is the stuff that makes television go, right? It's like, yeah, uh, it's like, you know, uh, night nightmarish, you know, your nightmare shown in footage, <laughs> yeah. you know, our youth have gone insane. And then, you know, there's some, you know, it's like, this is, this is what media is for. So I guess that's just the point. It's like, as if the media isn't going to show it, you know, and I don't think it makes them inherently racist that they do show it, but it probably does prey on the racism that exists. I probably, right. I would accept right. that. Yeah. Plays on some xenophobic fears and yeah, sure, for sure. For sure. But that's, I mean, that's only really the context of what all of this is about. So, this, this, uh, Dr. Shepard, an uh, African Australian uh, of mixed French and African descent, he comes out with this study. And the study doesn't show that there's um, racial profiling. And he says that they are actually over overrepresented in crime stats because it appears that they do just commit this crime more frequently um, than other group identities. And I think a really important thing to note is that all of this is a group identity. So it's it's inherently imprecise. Um, I think a lot of these studies, uh, I'm not too sure if exactly this one did, but there's a lot of... There's a lot more um, variance within a particular group than there is a variance across groups. So, you know, just because you can know group differences, it doesn't mean you could say with any particular certainty if you were asked to pick who is more violent, um, you know, a white person or a person of Sudanese descent. Um, just because you know these slight group differences, that gives you a really low probability of being able to pick that anyway, um, which is an inherent problem with that type of research, which maybe we can get into. But um, anyway, so he has this finding, and then um, Dr. Stephanie, Sh- and then uh, no, no, Amanda Porter. Amanda Porter. She's a she works for the Melbourne University Law School in within. Indigenous studies, and she calls racism. And do you want to continue the story from here, Jules? Yeah, well, she criticizes the way the research was done, its implications. She calls it racist. Um, you know, that it lacked academic integrity. She couldn't believe that it was in the journal that it was in. And um, that uh, resulted in Dr. Shepard feeling like his entire reputation had been tarnished, that he thought about quitting. Um, and, you know, in particular, uh, however, she did then after speaking to him and I believe finding out that he was African, um, uh, gave him a formal written apology. Uh, well, that's generous. Yeah. So, <laughs> that actually then, reminds me uh, – just a quick, um, a quick segue. Um, so I believe it was a few years ago, the uh, black American economist Thomas Sowell, yeah. famous economist, free market, conservative, uh, leaning economist. He's, he's a prolific writer, academic, has been writing books for generations. He you know, argued, debated with 
Milton Friedman. He's he's been you know a part of the economic establishment for for you know fifty years. Um, serious academic, even if you disagree with his uh, his views of the world. But he he published a book uh, a few years ago, and it was reviewed by the London School of Economics Book Review. So you would think a pretty credible organization to review a book, especially the London School of Economics, very credible in the economics profession. Um, this uh, person doing a book review uh, gave her a critique, um, and there was basically a little throwaway paragraph to say, it's easy to understand why Thomas Sowell has his view of the world as a white man. Um, <laughs> and obviously, if you know Thomas Sowell, he's clearly not white. He's been around for years. And if you're working for the London School of Economics book review um, outlet, I think you should probably know who Thomas Sowell is at this point. Um, so just the idea that, you know, a person must hold a certain view just because of their group identity or one person could do research which has a particular outcome that must favor their group identity just seems like a pretty weak assumption. Yeah, it is it is it is a weak assumption. You know, it's 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 not only that but it's like you know this this uh South Sudanese community leader John uh I'm sure I pronounced his name wrong, Kuat uh that that the research should be taken out of context um, and that he supported the research because it helps the community to identify where the focus needs to be. So, and that's the obvious implications of this, right? It demonstrates the importance of working on policies that address social disadvantage and social disconnection. It is disappointing the conversation has been diverted away from these issues, you know? So people, uh, you know, there's potentially a really important reason to do this research. A, you know, what if the research proved that it is a total media hoax mm. and um, there isn't any overrepresentation? Right. I'm sure the research wouldn't have been called racist, right? Right, right. Uh, that would have been very helpful for, for people with that agenda. Um, right. You know, and then secondly, if it does prove there's a problem, well then, you know, why is that the case? What can be done to fix it? Because, of course, these crimes are serious, not just for the victims of the crime, but these young African males committing this crime then go to prison because they're very mm-hmm. serious crimes. And we all know that, you know, what a prison sentence does to the likelihood of all these other issues you're going to have later in life. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of good reasons to do this research. Right. Um, except for the potential throw, <laughs> accusations yeah. that you'll accrue and the damage to your research that it'll accrue, I guess. Well, there's that. And then there's what I actually think is a, is a genuine argument and potentially on balance i disagree with it but there is an argument that all of this group identity research is inherently toxic um, because if the outcome is unfavorable to, to a particular minority group it's going to be misused by politicians to discriminate against these groups and these uh the person making this argument would cite historical precedent of how people misused uh, IQ studies, um, which found that certain certain minority groups had a lower IQ in the way that the researchers used to study it. Um, there's a, you know, a whole body of uh, racist science which tried to prove that, and a lot of that has been disproved. Some of it still comes up every now and then. I think there's the famous study, um, uh, the famous book, The Bell Curve by Charles Murray, um, and Charles Murray is, just, is still around, and there's a whole another issue about that. He doesn't get invited to universities and gets gets cancelled and deplatformed and can't 
talk about his ideas. Um, but there is there is at least a genuine concern that this research has been misused in the past uh, to persecute these minorities. So why bother going about it in a racialized group identity manner instead of just looking at crime and looking at other factors like um, you know employment, um, health outcomes, neighborhood, other things that aren't as radioactive as race. Do you, do you see that argument? Like, does it resonate with you? I mean, I, I am trying to really bolster, you know, the other side because I, I can, I can, I can see, I can see the validity to that sort yeah, of argument. Yeah, but like you've just, I mean, like to be really clear, right? That whatever uh, commonality there is between these violent South Sudanese boys, it's not going to be some fucking genome. Right. So it's, I mean, in in the case of uh, South Sudanese migrants, it's fairly obvious what the, I mean, fairly obvious. Well, there's some fairly fairly obvious shared experiences there, Mm. which is that, you know, this is humanitarian migration Mm. from one of the most war stricken parts of the world, right? That the, the, the percentage of South Sudanese people that would be refugees um, and given would be enormous and therefore, the amount of uh, extreme experiences that they would have gone through is huge, you know. So, and and, could, and not so, only that, but but that's also compounded by the fact that when you come to Australia as a refugee, you're pretty much in the the lowest quintile of incomes, the lowest. Correct. You, right. You know, so then, you, exactly, you're thrown into poverty, even though you've come to public housing. Work, you're, yeah, you're thrown into right. poverty, so, into gangs, into neighborhoods schools, that aren't as nice schools, as the neighborhoods you and I yeah. grew up in. Yeah. Correct, and the schools suck, and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I mean, if if it was extrapolated out, and you got right. rid of the word Sudanese, and it was like if if the statement was people who exp- who experience violence in their youth, right, um, or come from uh, countries that are violent you know are they more likely to commit violence i'm sure the answer to that's yes i mean we know children who experience abuse are way more likely to become drug addicts and be involved in the prison system so like that's actually what's going on right so Mm -hmm. these 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 young sudanese um particularly the males clearly have um some sort of shared experience that's really difficult Mm -hmm. and we're clearly um you know not doing as good a job as we can of helping and supporting these people when they come here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, you know, and I don't think, a, you know, a 17-year-old Sudanese kid who's decided to do some carjacking or whatever, you know, his culpability, I think it'd be very, very easy if you were to, as you say, instead of generalize, dig down into the specifics of that person's life. I'm sure there's right. plenty to plenty to be empathizing with right? and plenty of understanding there. And also, you, I'm sure if you went through the whole narrative, you'd see all these opportunities that the, that uh, the migration system and that the welfare system, education system had to intervene and make this and help this person um, th- through their experience was missed, you know? So, and hopefully that's what this research can be for, you know, because you can say, oh, this South Sudanese race label isn't helpful but in the way that they come to the country and then integrate there is a process that's specific to them right and there there is all this institutional 
there's supposed to be all this institutional support specific to that experience. So in that regard, it is helpful. Do you know what I mean, Rob? But it's yeah. like, yeah. the point isn't isn't the Sudanese. It's it's it's. I'm sure it's it's the nature of the migration and and the experience. Mm-hmm. I I agree with all that. So the um, again, just to push back into you know. To, to, to provide the counter argument that I could see people making, they listen to this podcast or, you know, if they're yeah. just making this argument is that, yeah, I can see what you're trying to do. You're trying to use this research to, um, to potentially uh, call out attention to some areas in the system that are breaking down and uh, to potentially drive some reform in these areas to improve the outcomes of these racial minority groups. But the problem is whenever you do group identity research, it's inevitably going to be used to perpetuate extremely harmful stereotypes of, you know, uh, black people committing more crime, black people aren't as, um, you know, uh, you know, um, I don't know what the term we want to use, but aren't as, aren't as uh, law-abiding citizens, they don't contribute to society as much as white people. Therefore, let's use this research to justify cutting off immigration from those countries. And then if that happens, then all of your noble intentions in doing this research are completely thwarted because, hey, now we just have a policy where these people aren't even allowed to come into the country anymore. So thank you very much. So what's, what's the response to that? I don't think the truth should be held hostage to people's capacity to to exploit it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's how research should work. You know, like I I like politicians can and have in the case of um, Sudanese crime chosen to exploit it and drum it up and mm-hmm. create panic. I think that was sort of peak Sudanese panic maybe five years ago or something, Rob. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. There are even mm-hmm. politicians in Sydney talking about it and yeah. it was generally, uh, general, generally a Liberal Party dev- used device. Mm-hmm. You know, this, and you could certainly point to Islamic terrorism and that having massively bled into discussions around migration and nationalism. Yeah. The, the way to win those arguments is to, A, stand up for the reasons that humanitarian migration is important, that not being racist is important, that helping disadvantaged people is important, but also to do as good a job of as you can of successfully integrating people into Australian society. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. A, you could say talking about these issues means people are going to become racist because you're showing them that there's statistical, there's a statistical reality to, to some of these assumptions. Mm -hmm. But B, you could say people experience those things anyway Mm-hmm. The media is going to talk about them anyway. Mm-hmm. The media doesn't have to publish its findings in peer-reviewed academic journals. It simply just gets to post and air videos and air whoever's right. opinions they feel like. And right. so this isn't some sort of 
ecosystem where if we take all the academics out of talking about the issue, then the issues won't be talked about. In my opinion, That's right. the issues yeah. it'll, it'll actually leave the issue exclusively spoken about by politicians, racist people on Facebook, and media outlets that just care about virality, regardless of what the consequences of their discussions yeah. are. And so this is the point. If, if the research leads to improvements in the integration, that is, we do a better job of educating and finding employment and helping these communities actualize however they would mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. then that actually takes the ammunition away. And so we do need to own and feel liable. And so I, my, my advice would be when I read stuff like this, we shouldn't be the instinctive, sh the instincts should hopefully not be, oh, geez, these Sudanese people are just out of their minds. It should be, why are we doing such a bad job mm -hmm. of, of taking mm. care of these people when they come here. And so if we don't address this, if we don't fix it, then the race, you know, the, the racism is just, is just, is going to be the only winner in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think these critics need to have more conviction as to what they actually believe in, which is that we're all created equal. I don't believe, uh, th there would be higher crime rates based on particular groups due to their genetics, which is a pretty, um, you know, it's it's not that determinative in uh, dictating your behavior. So if you if you really do believe that you know black people or people from Sudan aren't aren't more violent or aren't less educated or aren't less productive, then you need to have the courage of your convictions to do that research and show that when these environmental factors improve, so when these people are given better schools, when these people are given better healthcare, when these people are, are given better environmental factors, you will see these group differences dissolve and potentially even point in the other direction. I know um, from some research in the States that um, migrants from Nigeria um, tend to outperform uh, their white American counterparts in in education, in income, and in all these different things, because there aren't no, um, you know, the, the fact that you're born in a particular country doesn't necessarily dictate, or the fact that you have, uh, um, you know, uh, skin color that you do, it doesn't dictate your performance. So the way you have your courage of convictions is by seeing this research come out time and time again to actually prove you right. Otherwise. You're potentially showing the, you know, soft bigotry of low expectations is that because you expect these groups to perform so poorly, you just don't want the research to happen. It's almost like you don't believe in those groups to allow the research to happen and evolve over time. I was just talking to you uh, before the before we, we recorded. I, I, I was curious on this point to see how crime rates change over time, how group crime rates uh, relative to, a sh to white Australian um, uh, crime rates change over time. And I found a report from 1987 uh, from the Australian Institute of Criminology, uh, and it, the report's entitled Migration, Ethnicity and Crime in Australian Society, and it was by Kayleen Hazelhurst. Um, and a quote from the report is that there were lower prisoner rates among Africa, Greece, and Italy, and to a lesser extent, Asia and UK have kept overall migrant prisoner rates lower than Australian-born rates. So the study done, similar type of study done back in the 80s, and found that um, you know the rates of crime from migrant groups back then were actually lower than the... Um, than the crime rates of uh, Australian-born citizens. So 
you know, there you have these group differences evolving and changing over time and based on different environmental factors and probably a hundred other factors that go into this. So, you know, to, to know when you get progress and to know when things change, you need more research. You need more research. Otherwise, otherwise you're just um, living blind. Yeah, but, you know, what if you wanted to argue the idea that a particular police force was racist? You would have to study that. You'd have yeah. to examine that and check that. You know, how, how would you know the difference between, you know, I've got here some of the data from the report, right? And um, so in, in, uh, in Victoria, aggravated robberies, uh, in terms of total, um, total uh, offenders, so uh, uh, people of Australian descent, 1,460. Sudanese, 191, right? But then if I go to incident mm-hmm. rate per 1,000 people, right? Australians was 0.4. Sudanese were 22.7, right? Mm. So the overrepresentation is enormous. Now, the total amount of incidents isn't, you know, um, 191, mm. which is why, you know, the this level of panic is, <laughs> is you know, it's 190 robberies. I mean, mm. I feel bad for everyone who experienced aggravated robbery, but it's not like... Mm. You know, the world's being fallen apart, which is this, this other idea. But it's still, the level of overrepresentation is enormous. Now, it's important to be able to say that that's got nothing to do with the police being racist, right? Mm. Or, or what you could say also is that maybe a general racist experience creates people more likely to be criminals. You know, maybe that's, you know, I don't know how you would measure that, but maybe, you know, they come here, they experience racism, people assume them to be criminals and violent. Right. And then that right. that sort of social isolation contributes to people wanting to act out against the yeah. state and against against people. Sure. But I would, what would I would, you need? Po- what would you need to prove that? Research. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to research it, right? So, no, the, the idea that, the idea that any research done with, uh, with the right intentions um, can be utilized by racists is just yeah. bullshit. Like, yeah, so anything can be utilized by racists. But the the more important thing is that people arguing uh, for the truth and for, for what's right in the world are always going to be helped yeah. by evidence. You know? yeah. And they'll be able to explain things better and properly and more persuasively with evidence. So right. the research right. needs to be done and we can't, you know, and I guess what what what's important to show here is that this doctor, um, Doctor Shepard, uh, being African, was still so terrified of doing this report, and then of course was seemingly forgiven um, after it being found out he was African. But mm. you know, so I mean, the person mm. laying the charge of racism, I, I I forget if we if we mentioned this, but she is an indigenous academic. So it was, it was it was a female indigenous academic calling and that. a male African yeah um, academic races just just in case that that slipped by but yeah so <laughs> she apologizes because he's black and then deletes her Twitter account <laughs> yeah 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 uh, yeah the, I mean it is interesting right. It's like one of the criticisms she has about the journal was that it was an all-white editorial board that he published in, um, and that in, in her apology, she deeply regretted attacking his article uh, rather than others that she might have singled out. 
but she just generally finds that the whole discipline of criminology is uh, is cooked, intolerable, and sort of dominated by academic whites. Um, right, right. The idea that community members and indeed academics mm-hmm. examining something like South Sudanese crime ought to be of a particular ethnicity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does the truth look different when does your objective peer-reviewed truth look different when the person conducting the study yeah. is black or white? I guess in this case it shows that for for political and publicity purposes, it's really fucking helpful. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really really helpful. Enough, but is there's it, a way that actually- we could prove that? We <laughs> might need to do some more research. Looking at the race of certain academics who do this work, and, and then there's just an an endless circle then, of who did that research and and then who did that research and and it's a never ending riddle. Well, I mean, this is the whole point of objectivity and uh, and the facts, so to speak, is they're they they're independent independent of the race or the gender of of someone. And um, if if people are doing this over time, I do I do have a problem with uh, with uh, there's something known in, in academia as the um, uh, crisis of uh, replication, whereby studies don't replicate time over time. So, could that potentially reveal a bias, or or potentially could that reveal some problem with the incentive structure in academia, whereby you only seek grants for new research, and there's less prestige in um, using that grant money to replicate a study that has um that has already been shown by someone else and you would only be the second person to arrive at that study as opposed to doing original research which is perhaps better better for your cred so there could be some issues of bias and um you know some problems in in academia and that could relate to the crisis of um replication so <laughs> look i'm I don't sure know, but the point is you need to do this research i'm sure the um, I'm sure the overrepresentation of white people in academia skews the kinds of things that are studied and spoken about, and even the tone and the nature of the research. Mm-hmm. I would be entirely comfortable saying that that's the case. Right. It is interesting that academia is overwhelmingly weighted towards, you know, what's considered the political left, regardless of this <laughs> total. Uh, sort of white saturation. Um, so I would point, I would, I would remind everyone that while academia seems to be um, overrepresented full of white people, it is also overrepresented full of very, very, very militant, progressive white people. Uh, <laughs> well, that actually so does not, bring not up, a, that does bring up a really interesting point, which is that we we're talking before about unhelpful narratives. So, you know, the unhelpful narrative that Sudanese are more violent is the reason why you shouldn't do this research. Well, she's only choosing one unhelpful narrative because um, if you don't do that research, another unhelpful narrative that comes up is that academics are all left-leaning, out-of-touch elites who don't call it as it is and are too politically correct to tell you the truth. And if you follow that down um, a few steps, that, you know, would that lead to less university funding? Would that lead to, you know, a complete crisis of academia and getting no research at all so you can't really 
you can't really just as as the critic of of the research just say that there's only going to be one helpful narrative you don't get to choose <laughs> how many unhelpful narratives are produced by you trying to censor this research no and like people with an agenda will always find a way to right make their agenda front and center and they'll utilize whatever's available to them and right. they'll pick and choose you know what? I mean, if uh, I wanted, bet there are some right wing voices uh, using this. They using did. Using the idea. Yeah, they exactly. Did. They definitely to, did, right? Yeah. So I'm pretty, sure Andrew, I'm pretty sure Andrew, Andrew Bolt, Bolt jumped on yeah. this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure they also jumped on the fact that uh, Porter ended up forgiving him. Dr. Porter ended up forgiving him after uh, she found out he was African. But yeah. It's. Uh, the, I, I, I guess the, the issue is that. If research, which is supposed to go through this vigorous process of objectivity and facts, yeah, is kind of contingent on the academics' ethnicity, you know, that's that's wrong. I think that's wrong. I think yeah. I think I, 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 and I feel like two things can exist at once: the idea that we need more diversity in academia and in research. That I 100% support, you know, and I'm sure that the major reason why there isn't um, as much represent- diverse representation in academia has to do with social class and economic class, right? Yeah. So I think it's, I'm sure, you know, most PhD grads come from, you know, more affluent backgrounds, particularly yeah. at the best universities, all this kind of stuff. So... I'm sh- but yeah, I would absolutely support ways that we can diversify and, and, and include more people from more backgrounds in academia. Yeah. But that shouldn't then result in a situation where if you're doing research that might be considered controversial, you have to be um, ethnically relevant to that study. That seems yeah. to be its own well- form of bias that would, pol- that would actually pollute the quality of the research, surely. I think the distinction but, has to be made between hard sciences where you have data that's, you know, objectively analyzed and replicates over time to the extent that a lot of these, um, you know, social sciences don't really get into the the rigor that's required in mathematics or physics or biology or, or, or things where you can't lie about, um, you know, the... Um, compositional makeup of an atom or you can't lie about sure. the elements that are in something it's it's there and it replicates uh, you can't lie about gravity right um but maybe a lot of these sciences are exposed as fraudulent sciences because they don't replicate and maybe there is a degree of bias so i think the issue isn't necessarily the people conducting the research because then you just redistribute the bias the issue is the quality of the academic rigor that lies beneath that research. And so the 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 goal, no matter if you come from it from a social justice lens or whether you come from it just to get a better chance at truth, would be to push the needle in the academic rigor of that uh, field of academia so that it doesn't matter if they're white, it doesn't matter if they're uh, black or male or female, the the data will be the data and you won't be able to argue with that. Right. And that's contrary to a little bit of this growing discourse around people's personal truth and 
you know, right. their experience. Right. And there yeah. is this, which I, I think is, is extrapolated in poor ways. Like I, and, and, and you know, because I, I totally understand the idea that someone who's, say, an Indigenous Australian growing up in Melbourne is going to have a very different experience um, than me growing up in Melbourne. And so that the idea that I could never really fully grasp what that experience is, that makes total sense to me. Hmm. But the idea that that then gives me an opportunity at every moment in life to, to point to that difference and say that, well, what I say stands no matter what. I think that's just when it's taken too far, right? And right. In, the case of, in the case of doing this kind of research, what you just spoke about is so important. So important. Like the idea that, that the, the vigor of this research is such that it couldn't matter who did the research, you know, that, that bias couldn't possibly be factored in because of how well bias is mitigated against the certainty of my research. Well, right. Yeah, that would be... You just need better research that, to, to do that. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. But, but, but I, yeah. I also do think that it's fair enough for people of um, ethnic minorities mm -hmm. to look at a journal and see that not a single editor is, uh, is racially diverse sure. and to lose, to lose trust in that institution in the same way that it was fair enough for people to, to feel it unfair being in court judged by an entirely white jury like that would be bullshit right. that would piss me off if right. i was if i was if i was an ethnic minority and i i was exclusively my fate was in the hands of my, my peers but none of them were actually um even my own color or my gender or whatever so you know i i, I think having a level of suspicion in these old in these old powerful institutions due to their homogenous whiteness is fair mm. enough and yeah. trying to de destabilize that and provide more opportunities for young people from those minorities to end up academics and end up well-resourced in their education and, and, you know, potentially affirmative action to have diversification of the editorial boards in these communities is important, but that's not the same thing as saying anyone who does research on the Sudanese community needs to be African. That's, yeah. That's too far. And what's yeah. frustrating about this is that the, the apology was given after finding out. And it's like, you know, that, and, and to my opinion, that points to the lack of, you know, I would then look at all of the research that Dr. Amanda Porter reviewed, and maybe this is why she deleted her Twitter feed. Um, and I would say, well, what vigor were you applying to the research if the one time you criticized something done by a a black person you were willing to no longer stand for the criticisms you gave you know what i mean mm. so or it's a description of racist so if something's only racist because if something's racist when it's done by a white person and not racist on my a black person and in this case it's research that makes me feel like your claims of what racist research is or isn't is mm -hmm. not really valid yeah yeah and i I also think we need to be extremely cautious about using this idea that, you know, academia is white research or academia is like male research because, you know, typically, you know, even even the Nazis used to say that certain science was Jewish science. And, you know, uh, historically, a lot of, um, 
you know, I guess, tyrannical movements or a lot of, um, you, you know, the justification to, to place people into groups has a lot of that same language where you pretend anything that came from a certain group identity um, is inherently one way or another. And I think we need to keep the ideal of, you know, as, as, as often as possible of, you know, the ideal of um, objectivity and the ideal of, you know, treating people as an individual before their group identity. Because I think these ideals, even if they're um, improperly um, implemented and, and haven't been uh, perfectly implemented over time, it's much better striving towards ideals that are, you know, everyone's equal before the law and, and, and that makes sense without having resort to someone's group identity. It's much more healthy for a society to do that than to be overly obsessed every single time on the you know racial identity or you know uh, gender orientation of of particular yeah. groups but there's a time and place you know yeah there's and i think in the world of research that's trying to find answers to questions objectively i would say surely most of the time in research this idea of group identity needs to be limited right and right. not play right. a role but you know, yeah. on Sunday I was at the Italia Fest, Italian Festival, Carlton Plaza. Right? Good blog. Had some be- had some beautiful cannolis. <laughs> um, and in that situation, you know, there it's an awesome opportunity for Italians to express and represent themselves, or you know, in movies, in art, what whatever it is, you know, there's right. other aspects of culture, sport. You know, I, I think there's, you know, it's not to say that, and you know this idea of group identities always poisonous, always problematic, always creates mm-hmm. tension or whatever. It's not true at all. But in the, in the case of important research, what role does it have to play? I, I think mostly it's just going to be bias and, and, and bias in the way it's received. So, mm. well, yeah. I mean, what I would just want from the critics is if they did think the, the thing was racist, I, I know the critic has retracted it now, but do studies proving the you know lack of rigor behind that research tell me why he was racist or support your accusation by showing me that your findings were different and because you adopted these you know um, more rigorous methods to to find the outcome and and show me the bias that's what I think a, a lot of these people um, don't have any obligation to show me exactly where i went wrong and and show me why this isn't the truth i feel like these people a lot of these people can get away with the accusation without anything else now fortunately the twitter thread was deleted so we could have used some of that reasoning and fleshed it out but the, the other the other thing rob and this is important too is it's not enough to look at someone's ethnicity and then straight away decide that on that basis, their intentions couldn't have been racist. So mm-hmm. I made the point, I made the point to Rob before off air. Just because someone's Italian does not mean they're going to get along and not have any biases against other Italians. Right. <laughs> if you know anything about Italy, you'll know this, this sense of national identity and being Italian is often uh, less important than your region and then less important <laughs> than your little piazza village, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, it's like, it's like, 
you know, tribalism yeah. runs much more deep than Tri- your tribalism uh, runs very identity. deep. Yeah, and and yeah. you know, I mean, you can say, oh well, he was, you know, he was African. Okay, well, maybe, maybe I don't know enough about African politics, but I am sure that all of these countries in Africa don't yeah. all get along splendidly. Yeah. And of course, we know a lot of them are full of, you know, like say, you know, yeah. experiencing civil wars, and 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 they don't give a shit whether look the relationship black between or not. China and Japan and and, and different <laughs> oh, countries with oh, Asia who hate each oh, other and, and Burma or Sri and Lanka Thailand and Tamils and, and, and all this yeah, stuff you know yeah. and so in Italians it would be you know Sicilians and Venetians or you know yeah. Calabrians oh yeah. boy you know and, and, <laughs> and whatever else all, all wanting to to wage yeah. war on each other so you can't just go oh well he's black he couldn't have had well maybe yeah. maybe because he's Mauritian right so maybe maybe he's Mauritian but he fucking hates Sudanese people I don't know. Like you can't just, yeah. so I don't know. it seems to yeah. be pretty for someone right. to be. Yeah. It seems to be a real throwaway. Just be like, Oh, he's black. Therefore he yeah. couldn't have had any racist intentions. Well, yeah, I've heard uh, my Italian family say many uh, appalling thing about <laughs> Italians from other areas. So you can't just like, yeah, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't seem to be enough to me. So <laughs> that, but that's this universe now, it, but it does seem to be, the case that you're going to have a lot, yeah. a lot easier of a time doing this research if you're black, and to me that's that sounds dysfunctional. You should have an yeah. easier time doing this research because of the incredible effort you took to being objective and professional in the research, yeah. not because of your race. I am still yet to be convinced that we live in a better world where we have groups of academics defined by these people are doing black science these people are doing white science these people are doing italian science i am unconvinced that that is a better world than the world that we're trying the project that we're trying to push forward which is it doesn't matter your racial identity it doesn't matter where you're from let's just appeal to ideals that we can all believe in equality before the law freedom objective truth you know free speech, these ideals that ideally should be independent of race. Obviously, historically, that's been inaccurate. That's been, it's been unequally applied. But if we, can, if we can reach for the ideals and have science that's independent of race, I, 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 my guess is that that's a much better world than one in which everything is group identities, black science, white science, Asian science. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I mean, I said it before, but whatever commonality there is between these South Sudanese boys committing crimes, it's their experiences. And it's not, you know, and, and, yeah. and part of the experience yeah. might be, might be the racist experience yeah. of living in Australia when you're black. You know? And I mean, and, maybe, and that could contribute to, I would, I would probably say it's more likely got to do with the intensity of, of their childhood experiences yeah. and, and the whole, yeah. the whole migration experience. But, the point there is, again, you'd be able to pull up these awesome stats which show that, you know, regardless of race, regardless of class, children who suffer abuse, unbelievably more likely to experience certain things. Children who come from broken homes, children who come yeah. from one-parent one homes, children who come from all this sort of stuff. So, you know, and, and, and the more we can, you know, the more we can not use titles like South Sudanese or like... Um, mm-hmm migrant 
or you know, and it would, it, yeah. it would instead it would, we were instead talking about some More sort of specific titles and, yeah. Well, well t- titles that were that were referring to a particular yeah. experience, you know, More like operative these, as to why it happened. Yes, yeah, yeah, as yeah. to why it happened, right? So, yeah. for example, okay, children who grow up in houses where the father is abusive, right? Yeah. Say, 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 say they grow up in domestic violence. You know, mm-hmm. what, what do we know about that experience? Well, we mm. know that re- again, regardless of your ethnicity, the chances of the boys in that family growing up to be domestic violence abusers themselves is way higher, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the important statistic. Now, you can grab ethnic minorities and you can show how there's more domestic violence in those ethnic minority groups, right? But why is that the case? Probably because more of their fathers were like that. So the important thing isn't the race. The important thing is the experience, right? Mm-hmm. So now what yeah. someone would say to you is there are certain experiences in life that only happen when you're a certain race. That is the experience of racism, right? So there are experiences unique to these groups. There are, right? You and I haven't experienced a level of racism growing up that a black person would likely be subjected to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that is a unique mm-hmm. experience to them. But again, mm-hmm. that's an experience of racism, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, start, it does start to become a bit more murky when you start pointing to experiences that only particular yeah. groups experience. But I would say on average, I would say that generally the reason why people are disadvantaged in life isn't because of this, particularly nowadays, I would say nowadays, isn't because of some intense um, racially dispersed experience, but mm-hmm. rather an experience dispersed through class. Mm-hmm. Um that mm-hmm. and, and wealth and that that makes more shit things happening to you more likely but yeah anyway, i don't know if that i hope hopefully that made sense but it's like i would understand why people would want to talk about the experiences of people rather than their race but then people will point to certain experiences that only happen as a consequence of your race and then you're back sort of where you started so yeah well i think there's definitely a place for that one thing one thing that we didn't touch on is and i think it's a it's a hidden side of all this. Um, you were briefly mentioning before that Italians hate other Italians, Greeks hate other Turks, <laughs> Turks hate Greeks. Um, but, um, you know, and and there is a lot of, um, you know, same race on same race crime, same ethnicity on same ethnicity crime. So I think that something that's just been completely hidden from plain view of this research is if if Sudanese are disproportionately committing more crime um, than average, I would suggest, without actually knowing the research, but I would suggest that most of the victims are also disproportionately people in their community, right? So, like, why is it only viewed going one direction when if you can, um, you know, if the victims are also more likely to be Sudanese, isn't that worthy of concern? And isn't that only, only something that we can know from the research? I don't know. <laughs> i think it's yeah i think it's better on the whole to have to like there is much more harm to be done from a lack of research than from an abundance of research and i think the world's too complex to go through it without knowing what's going on and um unless we can do that there's there's no way that we can we can move the needle on these issues I reckon that's that's the that's the closing line. <laughs> all right. See you later, everyone. Thanks for listening. I think they're all insane. And one final thing: if you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word and let your friends and family know about it. And also, if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and notification bell.
See you next time.